Hi, friends. Welcome to God Stories. I am your host, Cassie, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. This is where I have on my friends, both new and old, to share their God stories. From the big, aha, miraculous, life-changing moments to the ordinary, everyday moments that are oftentimes the very extraordinary, life-changing ones. My hope is that you're encouraged. My hope is that you're sometimes challenged. My hope is that you feel welcome and enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to God Stories. I'm so glad you're here today. I just wanted to let you know that this this episode today is not for little ears. So if you have any kids in the car with you or by you, maybe save this episode for later. But I'm so excited for this conversation today. I have my friend Trina on. Welcome, Trina. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm super excited that you asked me to be here. Yay, you're only my second person to talk with, so I'm so glad you're here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, so um, my name is Trina, and um, I have two little kiddos, Luca, who is four, almost five, and um, Nikki, who is two and crazy. (laughs) Um, And we, my husband and I have been married for close to nine years. Um, and yeah, I'm a stay at home mom. I also do some math tutoring on the side as well as I used to teach a fitness class before COVID hit, but, um, yeah, yeah, so right now just staying at home mom, just trying to make it through and, and, uh, aren't we all right. I didn't, I learned stuff about you there. I didn't know y'all had been married nine years too. Same as us. Cool. Um, so Trina and I met when we were both pregnant with your youngest, Nikki, and my oldest, Judah. And if you don't know Trina, she has a beautiful voice. I first saw her before I met her singing. She would lead worship for our church. And she's this gorgeous oh. Italian. And you can't miss her. Um, but that's awesome. So, so sweet. Yeah. So... I, I just kind of want to jump right in if you're yeah, okay with that. Absolutely. You have amazing things that God has done in your life. And so just kind of tell me, how were you raised? Were you, did you grow up here? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Sure. Give sure. us the backstory of your life. So um, I grew up in Deer Park, Texas, okay. which is like an hour from here in Katy. Um, my dad still lives in the house I grew up in. Um, and... I grew up really in the church. I mean, we were there every Sunday morning, and then back when they used to have Sunday night church, um, and then Wednesdays. It was, I mean, we like, I joked that I lived there, but I felt like I did. Um, I loved it. I had fun. All my friends were there. You know, I played basketball there and and just loved growing up there. Um, In high school, I I started playing the guitar and singing in our high school worship band um, and led those Wednesday night services. And, um, really just, um, you know, grew up going to church. Um, my dad is Italian, a hundred percent Italian, literally. And so he's very loud. (laughs) Um, my mom always jokes that, um, the first time that she met him that like, not, not met him, but met his family that she had a migraine for a week because she's like, they're just, they're always yelling and they're just, (laughs) they're just so loud. And, um, so that's kind of the home I grew up in a loud, loud father. And then a mom who would get loud when she needed to be heard. (laughs) And Um, she's not Italian. She's not. No, 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 no. So she, she's a mutt of, of English and, you know, all sorts of other things. But, um, 
Yeah, so I have one sister who's Trisha. She's okay. she's seven years older than me. Okay. Um, actually, both Trisha and I were surprises. Oh wow. Um, Trisha, my mom had her when she was thirty-seven, um, which is not super late nowadays to have a kid, but to have your first kid is yeah, it's kind of late. Yeah. Right. Um, and then they had me at forty-three. Okay. So I remember I used to say that it was a uh, accident, and she would always be like, "No, no, no! It was a <laughs> surprise." Aww. She was she was sweet, but um, yeah. And so hence, you know, us the big gap in age between the two of us. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But to jump right into the story, basically, um, you know, like I said, I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. um, knew the Bible. Um, I could tell you the story of Jesus. I, I knew all of these stories, but, um, in high school around my junior year of high school, um, I went to go visit a friend in college. Okay. Um, I was 16 years old. I went by myself to go visit a friend at UT and, um, we, I was, I was starting to get into kind of a party scene, you know, and, um, I had, I remember I had my sister's fake ID and. Uh, well, it was her real ID, but <laughs> I took it to use as a fake ID and um, to get into trouble. And we went out that night and we're drinking. And um, I remember um, at the end of the night when I thought we were going to go home, she was like, okay, well, I want to go visit my this guy that I know at his dorm. And I didn't really know what was going on. I kind of thought, you know, maybe she was just going to go and I was going to go home. But when we got there... Um, she, the guy met her out at the front door and he brought a friend and the friend just grabbed my hand and like walked me back to his room. And I remember thinking like, what is like, what is happening? Like, where'd my friend go? What is happening? And, um, you know, I wanted to leave. I felt like so scared and so nervous. And, um, but so I y'all just left your friend. No, she just left me. Oh wow. She just walked off with this guy. And so I'm just kind of standing there like, what am I doing? You know? And, right. And so this guy just, he's, he literally brings me to his bed and he's like trying to take off my clothes. And, and I remember telling him, no, like, stop, I, I don't want to do this. And, um, he's like, why, you know, it's fun and da, 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 da. And, um, yeah, I just, I remember being really scared and I remember feeling really alone and I didn't know where I was. Um, I had obviously made the decision to drink, which was not a good decision. And, and in my head, I'm like, I got myself into trouble, but now I didn't know what to do. I didn't know yeah. how to get out of it. Um, and he ended up sexually assaulting me um, for, it was a while. We were, I was probably in his room for over an hour. Um, and then I finally was able to get free basically from him and, and run out of the room. And I just remember I didn't know who to call. I didn't know where to go. I couldn't find my friend. I was looking for her. And, um, I ended up calling a friend who I knew went to, went to UT. And I was like, I was just praying, God, please, like, please somebody answer the phone, please somebody answer the phone. And he did. And I, and I told him I'm at this dorm across from this street. Do you know where I am? And, um, he did. And he came and picked me up, um, which I'm so thankful for that he was there, that he answered the phone. Yeah. But, um, that yeah. is so scary. It was terrifying. And did your friend know that night? My friend had no idea. Wow. My friend had no idea. And I, I went back to the, her apartment. Um, you know, I tried to sleep, woke up the next morning. She came home and I didn't say anything. I kept it a secret. You know, I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed. Like I felt like it was my fault. You know, like I thought, 
oh, I, I, I don't know. It's just that's, you know, that's how Satan works. He yeah. wants to keep things secretive. Mm-hmm. And when things are secretive, there's no healing or, or you know, there's no freedom there. And so yeah. I felt bound by that. Mm-hmm. So I remember like the next day, maybe, you know, I, first off, I was in a lot of pain, um, from that experience. And I remember driving home and, and just thinking like, I I can't even talk about this. Like I can't, I'm just going to push it out of my head. Like it didn't happen. Um, did your parents know you were going to college to visit? Yes. My parents knew that I was going to college to go visit. And, you know, truthfully, thinking about it now like as a mom I'm like how could I have let my 16 year old daughter go by herself to this campus you know but um but they trusted you I'm sure they trusted me they did and um you know I was a teenage girl that was visiting a friend visiting a friend and and you know thinking I was being experiencing this like college lifestyle and so you know I just I made a bunch of wrong choices and unfortunately, you know, it led to some really bad situations. And, um, I got home and I, I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody. I just tried to pretend like it didn't happen truthfully. And Um, how long did that last before you finally told someone? Oh man. You know, I did not tell anyone I was sexually assaulted until maybe four years later. Wow. Four years. That's a lot to carry by yourself. You know, it's so interesting that actually I was dating a guy at the time when it got brought up and he, we, somehow we were talking about sexual assault. I don't know. It might've been like a, some, a video we'd, I don't know. Somehow it got brought up. Maybe it was a movie we'd seen. And I remember saying like, um, I'm so glad that I've never had to experience that. And it was like a ton of bricks hit me. Like all of a sudden, just everything just flooded back into my mind. And I told him, I was like, oh my God, I have experienced that. Um, And now like I've gone to some therapy and counseling for that and some Christian counseling for it. And truthfully, like that is very common for your brain to actually take those memories and try and shut them out because it's too traumatic. For the body so and did, for the mind. Did you actually kind of bury it where you forgot? I for completely a forgot. And what that is, it, it, it's your mind being what your mind's supposed to do to protect the body. And From so trauma. it says, okay, we didn't, this, we're not going to process this. So we're going to just push it over here and we'll bring it up when it's necessary. Wow. So yeah, I, I had forgotten about wow. it. Isn't that nuts? That's interesting. Yeah. So crazy. Yes. So. So what did he say when you said that? He was he was shocked, you know, because obviously he was there when I remembered everything. So it was kind of crazy too for him, I'm sure. But um, and then once you told him, did you feel comfortable telling other people? Did you want to tell other people? I didn't tell anybody else after that. Okay. I I didn't feel like I had, I guess, like the community to be able to share, even though I knew. I mean, I grew up in church, like I told you. Like, you know, we we have that that bond of being Christians and you're supposed to love and all of this, but I still felt like it was partly my fault, mm-hmm. you know? And so I felt like by keeping a secret, it wasn't that I was just keeping the secret, but it was that I was keeping the sin too. Like, like it was my fault. I couldn't tell people because I didn't want them to think badly about me that I had gotten myself into that situation because I knew it was wrong. I, what I was doing was wrong, but, um, no, I didn't, I didn't share with anybody. Wow. Even after that. Wow. Okay, so that's huge to happen yeah. in your life. So by this point, you're 20. I am close. Yes, I think I was like 
19, yeah, 20, yeah, right in there. Okay, and then are you in college yourself now? I was. When you finally told someone? Correct. Okay, and so tell us that. Where are you going to college? What does your life look like then? Yeah, so I was at Sam Houston State. Okay. And um, I, shortly after that, we actually, me and that guy had broken up. And um, it had been a little while I wasn't really dating anybody. I was, um, I joined a sorority. I was um, just kind of doing the college thing, you know, and um, it wasn't until maybe a year or so after that, that um, my sorority sisters, I I ended up meeting this guy through some sorority sisters and um, he was, I hate, I feel like this term is so so cliche to say, but like he was like a bad boy, you know, and um, he just... He wasn't the type of guy that, like, I would want my friend to date, you know, because I'd be like, he's just not good for you or kind of a womanizer. Lots of girls thought he was cute or um, he had even dated several of my – several girls that I knew of. Um, and I think that made it more intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually looking back and after having been through um, counseling for the sexual assault, I actually learned that it's very common for women to, after they've experienced something like sexual assault, um, especially if it was their first sexual encounter, which it was my first sexual encounter, um, that it's very common for women to then almost try and turn the tables and take control in mm-hmm. a sense of their sexual life or their sexuality or there's who they're going to date and they because they weren't in control right over the assault that makes sense so it's a, it's a form of like rebellion almost um and I didn't know that until after counseling but I feel like that actually has filled in a lot of dots for me okay wow um to know that because counseling happened years later, yes. not in between. Yeah. No, no, the not assault in, in college. Okay. No, I just tried to shove all that down. Yeah, which doesn't work out very well. I don't recommend it. <laughs> but yeah, so we started dating, and um, we were together for probably about a year and a half or so. And <clears throat> I remember I woke up. It was a Thursday morning. I was in um, a finance class, and I remember I just thought. I'm pregnant. Wow. I'm like, I know that I'm pregnant. I know that I am. And I hadn't had my period in like eight or nine weeks. And I'm like, you know, and in college, you know, I wasn't ever paying attention to it. But then I, when I really sat down to think about it, I'm like, no, I'm definitely pregnant. Like, wow. I have all these symptoms and um, I just thought I was going to start any day, but no. <laughs> and uh, I remember I told one sorority sister and I asked her, I was like, like, what am I going to, you know, I, what do I do? Like, can you take me to go get a test? I can't even drive. Like, I don't even know. I don't know what to do. So we drove like 20, 30 minutes away, um, you know, because I didn't want anyone to see me. And I walked into a Walgreens, picked up like a pack of three tests and walked back to the car, drove to the sorority house, took the test, positive, took it again, positive, took it again, still positive. Wow. And, um, I just remember being scared to death. I mean, I was terrified. So did you immediately call your boyfriend? Pretty much right after that, I called him. He was at work. Um, He answered. He's like, hey, I'm at work. What's up? I'm like, I'm pregnant. And um, he just said nonchalantly, okay, well, um, we'll talk about when I get home. And was this something that you were excited about at all? No. Okay. No, this was a total shock. Wow. No. 
I mean, not it shouldn't have been a total shock because obviously we were having sex. Um, obviously, you know. And, um, but yeah, no, it was a shock. I mean, like I told you earlier, Christian home, you know, raised in the church. I knew better, but I wasn't living the lifestyle that I knew I should have been living, obviously. And, um, no. Was any part of you afraid of the image that what your parents would think of you, what people would think about you since you were in the church? Absolutely. I think I didn't feel like I could go home and tell anyone. Because they would be mad at you? I felt like they would be mad, so disappointed. Um, yeah, just just really disappointed. And I was so afraid of losing that, um, I guess, that image, you know? So you and your friend knew, your boyfriend knew. Yep. He got home. What yep. happened then? So he got home and um, he was like, you know, I told him, I said, I just, I'm, I'm so scared. And he said his words, exact words were, you know, it's okay. I've been here before. Wow. And, um, obviously I knew what that meant. You know, I, I, it had meant that he's had an abortion before. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have to do that. That's what I thought. You know, I thought those were my options. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine telling my family. I couldn't imagine telling or actually going through with a pregnancy. What I didn't share was that um, this relationship, too, was very, um, like I told you, he was the bad boy. You know, he had already cheated on me at this point. I was still with him, um, got pregnant after he cheated on me. Um, I, this, he was very um, manipulative, very emotionally abusive, um, and he bordered on physical abuse. Uh, I can remember a time where we had gotten into an argument and, um, I was standing against the wall and he punched the wall right by my face. I mean, it was like inch an inch from my face. And I just remember thinking, I'm supposed to have a baby with this guy. Like, what am I doing? So he's not a guy that you wanted to be with the rest of your life. No. And I knew it, you know, I, I knew it when I started dating him. I'm not going to marry this guy, but I was dating him anyways. Yeah. Which was stupid. <laughs> yeah. So y'all both agreed to get an abortion. So it, it was like, it was like it was never discussed. Okay. But it was just understood, you know? And so he said, this was a Thursday, you know, I told you. And so he was like, I'll call tomorrow and we'll get it taken care of. And so I'm sitting there laying at his apartment on Friday morning and he calls Planned Parenthood and he said, you know, my girlfriend's pregnant. Um, we think that she's like 10 weeks at this point. And, um, they're like, he said, you know, what, what can we do? And I don't even, I don't even remember him uttering the words abortion. Like it was just understood even, even on the phone with them, you know, and they told him, um, well, we're so busy that um she can't come in for at least another two weeks oh my gosh yeah and um and which obviously was terrifying in and of itself and um he told them you know he was like i i can't pay for it we can't pay for it so he knew basically he knew the words to say in order to get the price discounted um which is terrible if you think about it. Like he knew the system so well that like he knew what to do in order for us, for, for him to pay. So he really had price. been there before. He really had. Maybe more than once. Absolutely. He shared with me later that two of his previous girlfriends 
had had abortion. Wow. And so I knew one. She was across the street in Sorority Hill from me. But you never knew until he told you. But I you. never knew until she he told me. And so even knowing that, I remember thinking like, okay, well, if she's done it, like, at least I know that I'm not going to just sit here and, you know, die. Like, I, I, I'll i be able to survive. We'll, we'll move on. I'll get through it. I just need to get through it. So you had to wait two weeks. I had to wait two weeks. So did you tell anyone in those two weeks? I didn't tell a soul. So what was going on internally for you in those two weeks? Oh, it was a mess. I was a mess. I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this is such a long time. Like I, I want to get this over with. It feels so urgent, which is very common for women who are, who know they're going to have an abortion, um, for them to have the sense of urgency of wanting to get it removed, wanting to remove the pregnancy and remove the baby. Um, and you know, it was, it was agonizing just waiting. Um, I was actually president of the sorority of, of the time and um, I was doing a terrible job just letting things fall through the cracks because obviously I didn't have the emotional capacity to handle anything at that point. I mean, everything was falling behind friendships and um, talking with my parents. I remember just I didn't want to because I just felt so guilty. And and physically, were you starting to have symptoms of being pregnant? So I had had symptoms. That's how I finally knew I was pregnant because I was like, man, I've got a stomach bug. I've got a stomach bug. I'm so nauseous in the mornings. And then that Thursday in class, I'm like, holy cow, I'm nauseous because I'm pregnant. Wow. Yeah. So tell us about when that day finally came. So the day came, super nervous. He drove me down from Huntsville to Houston. And I walked in the clinic, um, you know, and it's it's just what you expect. You know, it's like there's these iron, it's an iron gate basically to keep picketers out and, and to keep other people out. And um, you have to be buzzed in and I walked in into the like receptionist room and um, there was girls basically everywhere, young, young girls everywhere. Um, My age, some younger, some older, but all in that same age range. And um, did that make you feel more comfortable or how did that make you feel seeing? I think it made me feel sad. Yeah. You know, nobody was, everybody had their heads down. You know, everyone was dealing with that shame already, even if they hadn't had their abortion yet, they knew what they were there for. And um, it was palpable. You know, you could just see it, the shame and the guilt and the the sadness. Um, And so then they brought you back. Did you get an ultrasound? So in Texas um, at the time, and I I think it's still the case, um, you're required to have an ultrasound before um, having an abortion. And so I remember laying back and being very nervous, very scared. And I was by myself. He didn't come back with me. Um, And she pulls out the ultrasound machine. And and, um, now this part's hazy. And and it kind of goes back to what I said about how um, sometimes the brain blocks memories um, with trauma. Yeah. And so she pulls out, puts the cream on um, the ultrasound machine and then on my belly. And she says, if it was twins, do you want to know? And I just looked over at her and I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't. And thinking about it and back on it now, like, I don't know if she had already seen the images to see that there were two babies or if that was a question then that they ask every participant, you know, or participant, it sounds terrible, but every, yeah, yeah. you know, every yeah. patient, yeah. if that's like a standard question. But I remember thinking immediately, I thought, Oh my God, like this is, this is going to sound so weird. But I remember thinking my sister's never going to have babies. And I know that sounds like such a, a weird thing to think, but 
I remember thinking that God was going to punish me by having this abortion to influence my sister because my sister wanted a family and I think she was getting close to the age of um in her marriage of like where they were going to start trying and I remember thinking she's never going to have kids that's how God's going to punish me and how he's going to punish my family and two um my sister always wanted twins oh wow so um she prayed for them like early on she has a bible where she's written in the margins like god give me twins and so it makes sense of why you thought yeah yeah so i just thought to myself i'm like god's gonna punish me number one trisha's not gonna have twins number two she's not gonna have babies and i just felt like that was that that was my fault that's what i deserved so what happened after the ultrasound? So they did the ultrasound and then um, I, you know, they don't print it out for you because no one wants a picture of their baby that they're about to kill. Um, and they send you back into the waiting room and they um, wait for uh, basically a counselor, I guess. And so they bring me back there and they ask me, you know, they said, um, so there's two types of abortion. You can either have a, a medicated abortion or you can have a surgical abortion here in the office. The surgical abortion they went through and they, but really it was a very brief description of um, you'll be under local anesthesia where you'll just kind of be asleep. And um, can you get both of those regardless of how far along you are? No. Okay. No. So a medicated abortion is supposed to be 10 weeks or younger. Okay. Um, and a, the other abortion is above 10 weeks. You can also get it if you're less than 10 weeks. Um, it's, it's the mom's choice. Um, and I remember telling them, I don't, I don't want to have the medical procedure. And now, so at this point, you know, I've waited the several weeks. I was somewhere between 12 and 13 weeks pregnant. So I said, I I didn't want to have this surgery. Like I was scared to have it. And, um, she said, Oh, okay, that's fine. You can, you can go ahead and have the medicated one. Now, I just told you that you're supposed to have it 10 weeks or less. And um, it was a non-issue for Planned Parenthood, even though safely, quote-unquote safely, because abortion is never safe. But um, they were not, it was illegal for them to actually prescribe me that medication, given how far along I was in my pregnancy. So the medication is strong enough to abort the pregnancy, even if you are a couple weeks past 10. Correct. So what the medication does is that you, um, so I went home and they give you two, two sets of pills. Um, one to start one, basically what happens is you take the first set of pills and 12 hours later you take the second set of pills. So that's what you did. That's what I did. So they tell you, you know, take the first set when you know that you have the time in 12 hours to be like awake and to pass the baby. And so I took the pills i i want to say i took them i don't i don't even remember sometime during the day and the next 12 hours came by i took the second set of pills and about a couple hours after taking the pills i started to cramp um which is what they told me would happen that i would start to cramp um and you know you and i have obviously we both have children we've both been through labor twice um and this was the most agonizing painful experience of my life and that's including childbirth and with my son my epidural didn't work so I can say this like very honestly that um it was terrible it was terrible I've never felt such pain before and I was alone um 
you know, my boyfriend went to work, didn't even ask if he wanted me to be there, if, if he wanted him, if I wanted him to be there. All my sorority sisters were at school and I was just in so much pain. And eventually it got, the pain got to a certain level to where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. And, and I did, I threw up. And, um, right after that, I passed the baby and, and you knew no doubt that there that was, was a baby. No doubt. There was no doubt. I, and this was before you even had your second set of pills. No, oh, this no, was I after already both. taken the okay. pills. Yeah. And so, um, I remember I looked, you know, and I was sitting on the toilet and, um, I looked down at the toilet and you could see the outline of a baby. I mean, I could see the outline of a head. Um, it was terrible. And I, I just remember looking and, and I was like, Oh my God, what did I do? Like, what did I do? Like this, I just, all of the feelings and all of the emotions, I just felt so much guilt and so much sadness. And I, I didn't know what else to do. And it, it sounds terrible, but this is the truth. I just flushed the toilet and I was just, just devastated, devastated at myself, you know, my boyfriend, the situation, all of it, all of it. So right when you passed the baby, did the physical pain go away? The physical pain mostly stopped, um, but I was definitely still in some physical pain. So you had a little physical pain still, but huge emotional pain. Yes. That now you had to navigate that. Yeah. Because when you got rid of the baby, that didn't get rid of all of that for you. No, not at all. And, you know, I think, not I think, I know that when you're you're in Planned Parenthood, you know, they're supposed to provide you with counseling of what to expect and yada, yada, yada. And, And they don't. I mean, they can say that they do, but they don't. And I had no idea what I was supposed to do next. Like, is it like, I remember thinking, so is this it? Am I, am I done? Like, do I, what am I supposed to do? You know, did any of that weight feel lifted? In a sense, there was a relief in the sense of that. I was, I knew I wasn't pregnant anymore, obviously. Um, and I knew that I wasn't going to be tied to this man anymore. And so I knew that sooner than later, I was going to be able to get away from him which was what I, what I needed to do, what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm honest, and I think that is the case for most women after they have an abortion, you know, even though they know it's terrible and not all women know it's terrible and tragic, but the ones that do, um, there is a sense of relief afterwards if, if we're being honest, you know? Yeah. So what did Trina, what did life look like for you after that then? Did your relationship end shortly after with that guy? So that was around, um, I don't remember if that was the end of the fall or the beginning of the spring semester, but it was somewhere around the winter season um, of my senior year. And um, we stayed together um, and I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody else about it. Um, I wanted to, to keep it a secret. Um, Did you kind of bury it too? Yeah, I tried to. You know, I definitely tried to, um, but I wasn't very successful. Like I would, it would almost be like flashbacks. Like I would go a really long period of time not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, just uninterrupted, it would, it would just come to my mind of like, oh, this is what I did. Or, you know, if you see a commercial, even a pro-life or a, a pro-choice commercial, both of those would trigger these feelings of like, 
just extreme regret, extreme guilt, sadness, depression, anxiety, all of these feelings. And, you know, working out through counseling, I have learned that there's actually something called post-abortive syndrome. And um, it is usually linked with PTSD, which have where you have these obtrusive um, memories that just pop into your head and what feels like out of nowhere. But um, you experience anger and you experience these deep valleys of sadness and then um, anxiety and depression, all of these things that I was struggling with, but I didn't attribute it to my abortion. I just attributed it to life, I guess, you know, but now looking back, I can see how directly those are related. Yeah. It goes back to what you said about connecting the dots. Absolutely. you didn't know at the time. Most women who have had an abortion, if you're talking to them and they're honest, they'll tell you that like anger is a struggle for them. Like they get angry at people or relationships or they'll yell or, or whatever the case may be. But so many times that's related to their abortion, even though it, it doesn't, it might not feel like it for them. There is so much under the surface there to explore and to go through and to learn about. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I know yeah. your husband, Rolf. He's yeah. not the bad boy that you're talking <laughs> no, about. No, no, no. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so what happened in between that and yeah. meeting your husband? Yeah. So actually what happened was that, um, like I said, this was my senior year. I graduated from college. My mom called me, and um, this was the best phone call that I've probably ever gotten in my life. And she said, Trina, you finished school. It's time for you to come home. Wow. And I was mad, though. I'm like, what? who's this lady telling me what to do? But back in the back of my brain, I'm like, this is my out to get away from this man. Like, this is the way I can get out. And so I did. I came home. I moved back home. I ended up getting a job um, working at a local state farm agency, doing some marketing and sales for him. And um, maybe, let's see, so that would have been May. In October, yeah, October, I met Rolf, my husband. So shortly after. So short after. And that was another thing, too, is I remember thinking, God's so mad at me that um, I'm going to be alone all my life. Like, I'm not going to find anybody to marry. You know, no one's going to, no one, that's just my punishment. That's what I thought. And so... Um, How'd you meet Rolf? Yeah, so so I'll back up a little bit. My sister was home for the summer, and she was like, Hey, Trina, I've heard about this cool church. Um, they have a really cool singles ministry, single life. And I remember just thinking in my head, single life. That sounds like so lame. I'm like, why would I want to do go to be a part of a single ministry or single life, you know? <laughs> um, even though that's what I was. I mean, I was single. <laughs> And so she was like, if you go on their website, pick a class, I'll, I'll take you, you know, so you don't have to go by yourself. And I said, okay, sure. So I did. I picked a class um, immediately. It was Second Baptist Woodway Campus. Um, and I immediately connected with a girl there. Um, and she and I hit it off. She invited me to Bible study. We just became fast friends. You know, you, you know, sometimes when you just meet someone and yes. you're just like, you're my new best friend. I yes. just know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it was like that. And um, I actually met Rolf through her. Okay. Um, it was through like our volleyball league through okay. the church. And um, I was playing volleyball on a team that he used to play on, but he had just had shoulder surgery. So okay. he was just there to cheer on the team. Um, and I had always wanted to marry a Latin guy, like somebody with um, Spanish background. You and know? he was a Latin and guy. And he was a Latin guy. So my, my real name is Katerina or Katerina. 
And um, I remember at that time I was like, I was going to go by my, my real name. You know, I'm like, here I am at graduated college. I'm trying to, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. But I remember I introduced myself and I said, hi, I'm Katerina. And he was like, what, what'd you say? What'd your, did you say Katrina? And I was like, no, 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 forget it. I said, just Trina, just call me Trina. And he was like, no, what did you say? And I said, I said, Katerina. And he goes, ah, Katerina. And I was like, immediately after he said that, I was like, sold. You're mine. You're, <laughs> You're mine. <attractive>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we dated for like, um, maybe eight months or so. So y'all started dating pretty quickly after pretty you met. Pretty quick. Okay. Yeah. It was so pretty instant quick. Instant attraction instant on both attraction, sides. Instant attraction. Yeah. On both sides. And, um, yeah, we started dating. We, um, it was, it was maybe eight months, I think, that we started dating. And Rolf is from Venezuela? Yes. Okay. Yeah, German name. Yeah. Okay. But um, he is from Venezuela. He lived there for 17 years, came to the States um, to on a, as like a foreign exchange program okay. um, when he was 17 okay. and um, went to college, junior college, then a four-year university, and um, then got a job here and became a citizen. Wow. Yeah. So, so y'all dated eight months and then got engaged? We did eight months, got engaged. Um, and then six months later we got married. Wow. So super quick. Um, and you know, so God didn't punish you. No, <laughs> keeping you single. he didn't. Right. And so like, that was the thing too. It was kind of blowing my mind through all of this is that I'm like, okay, God is like actually blessing me. What is, this is weird. Like I'm, I'm made friends. I have like a boyfriend now, like that I actually love. And he's actually a good guy who's got his stuff together. He's not some loser, you know? And um, and getting into that relationship with Rolf, did you tell him about your I past? I did not. I didn't tell him about it. He knew that I had dated a guy that was um, like emotionally abusive and manipulative. He didn't know the depths. He also did not know that I was sexually assaulted. I still hadn't wow. hadn't told anybody except for that one boyfriend. Way so back. you got married, and he still didn't know. We got married. Didn't tell him. Uh uh-uh. uh. And it wasn't until I want to say. Um, maybe two years into our marriage that it was started to, it was starting to eat at me. Like it felt like abortion was becoming a more popular topic, whether it was on TV or, or at church was starting to talk about it more or whatever the case may be. I just remember feeling like it was more prevalent Mm -hmm. and it started to eat at me that I was like, I need to tell him this is a secret. I need to tell him this is my husband. How can I not tell him? And so I did, I I shared with them and, um, about the sexual abuse and no about the abortion. And I told him, I said, I had an abortion actually like, you know, a year basically before we met and um how did he take that news so it was hard it was hard for him he asked me um why I hadn't told him beforehand like before we got married and I automatically interpreted that as oh my god he wasn't going to marry me if if I had you know I was reading into things but I was so vulnerable and nervous and that was really the first family or friend close friend that I had told yeah um did that cause issues in your marriage at that point you know uh, this this will probably have to be another podcast at some (laughs) point in time but we we went through a lot of hard times at the beginning of our marriage so it we weren't on super solid ground if I'm honest um at the point in time when I did share with him and so yeah it did make things a little rocky I'm sure there was some mistrust there like who is this woman she couldn't she didn't tell me this like what else is she hiding I feel like whenever I tell Alex something that I've been hiding I feel even if he didn't like how yes. what I said I feel better that yes. he knows now did you feel better that you I knew? did yeah I did I felt a sense of like well, if he chooses to leave me, at least 
I've been honest with him, yeah. and I haven't held anything back. What is the scripture in John? Isn't it uh, who the or I'm thinking of the one, the truth sets you free. Oh yeah, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Is Something that like about? that. Yeah. But I don't know. I just feel like when I do tell the truth, yeah. I feel more free. Yeah, absolutely. I did. And um, after that, I decided I was like, okay, I've told Rolf. He he came around. Like his initial reaction was shock, but you know he was like, eventually we talked a little bit more about it, and and he he did become more of a support person. You know, I feel like in my life, and um, I decided to tell um, my mom and my dad together at the same time, um, and also my sister at another time. And I told my mom and dad, and my mom who was always super sweet and kind and gracious, um, you know, like not apologize, but, you know, tell me how sorry she was just that I had ever had to experience that. um, She empathized with me. My dad's response, his first words out of his mouth were, why why are you telling me this? Wow. And that's a shock, right? Because it's like, that's that's my father. You know, I'm looking to him for this forgiveness. I thought this was what I was supposed to do, but here's this response. Maybe I wasn't supposed to tell him. Maybe I should have kept it a secret, you know? And, um, like I said earlier, counseling has been a theme throughout my life, but in, in such a good way that I've been able to work through that and actually work through that with my father as well. I think Um, counseling is such a good thing and sometimes it gets a bad rap, but I think it's good if you have I mean, we all have issues, but regardless of the size of them, you know, I think that it is, especially, you know, finding a Christian counselor Mm -hmm. who can lead you with those godly principles is just so important. Yeah. Um, And so, and several churches offer free counseling. Second Baptist is one of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you remember and you're attending regularly, Second Baptist Counseling Center is free, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, So definitely a plug for that. Yeah. (laughs) But um, after I told my dad, um, and you know, my mom and my sister, things kind of, I was like, okay, I've, I've shared, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm done with that now, you know, like, let's move on. Let's not yeah. talk about it or think about it anymore. And, and I did kind of try and shove it down some more. Um, and I, it worked for a while. And then eventually, um, I saw the movie unplanned. Have you seen that movie? No, I've okay. heard about the movie. Okay. So this movie is the story of Abby Johnson, who used to work in Planned Parenthood as the abortion clinic director and um, who eventually left. And this is an amazing movie. Like I cannot speak highly enough about it in the sense that um, from all sides and angles, it really um, just, it, it gives such a true account of the story she has had two abortions herself, and she also talks about what the clinic is like. And, um, you know, she they show it, and they show, like, how these women come in, and they're just distraught, but they leave distraught, too. No one's doing any better. This is obviously just a terrible thing that's happening. And she finally kind of wakes up and realizes it. Um, and, you know, she even in the movie, it actually goes through her abortions that she had, and, and one of them was the medicated abortion that I had. Um, and it, it depicts it just perfectly. I mean, um, the pain, the, the, the agony, the terribleness of it all. And I just remember at the very end of that movie, she writes a letter to her baby that she, that her babies that she aborted. And she says, she said, I'm sorry that I didn't love you enough to fight for you. Wow. And I just lost it. 
I just lost it. And, and this was the first time that I really let myself go and cry. Like, I mean, when I say I lost it, this was like ugly tears, crying, weeping, like weeping. It's like you let yourself go through I that grieving process. I finally let myself start to grieve. I finally did. And I, Rolf's just holding me and, um, at that point he's apologizing because he was he he wanted to watch the movie because he'd heard about it and he's like I'm so sorry we shouldn't have watched the movie and I'm and in my head I knew that this was the start of something that needed to happen and so I I I just remember him holding me and I turned to him and I said Rolf I said I know that God can work together all things for the good of those who love him all things all terrible things including my abortion and I remember saying, but how is he going to let, how is he going to work it together if I'm not going to let him? Wow. Because I hadn't shared it with anyone other than my close knit group of friends. The last time I heard you teach our Sunday school class, cause Trina, that's something else we didn't mention. She also is a teacher. And the last time I heard you teach was when you shared about your abortion story. Yes. yes. So fill in the dots for us. How did you get to where you're able to tell anyone be on this podcast and share it right so that was a god thing for sure so um that night after you know all my tears and our praying together and um, i just asked god i said god just you need to please open up the doors if this is something you want me to be vocal about and share i will do it but i need like you know, giant signs basically pointing me in the direction to say like, okay, yes, I'm asking you to share, do it now. Yeah. And how and <laughs> yes, where. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Cause it was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm ready, but I'm not going to go out and look for opportunities at this point is how I felt. And so, um, like you said, I was a Bible study teacher or Sunday school teacher. Um, and I remember preparing for, I think it was maybe a week later that I was teaching and girl, the lesson topic was forgiveness from our past. Wow. There's your big sign. <laughs> right? I know. I'm like, I just remember thinking seriously, like at church, you want me to share this at church? Like I could share this with like a lady in the neighborhood. And I don't know, but like a stranger. Church? you won't Right. See again. Yeah. yeah. And so I texted my mentor and I was like, this, I think this is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm so nervous. I'm, I'm preparing two lessons here. I'm preparing one lesson, sharing the abortion. I'm preparing a second lesson, leaving out the abortion, because at this point I'm not convinced I'm going to do it. Um, I'm nervous the whole week. I ask Rolf, I'm like, do you care? Like, is this going to affect you if I share? And he's like, babe, no, if, if this is what God wants and it sounds like this is what God wants, then no, do it, you know, do it. And I'll be right there to support you, which is what I needed. You know, that was such a good support from him. And I have goosebumps thinking about it. Cause I just remember when you did share it, that it was powerful for everyone. Cause I don't know how many people knew at this point about your story, but I definitely did not know. Yeah. And I just remember so many people going up to you afterwards, yes. thanking you yes. for sharing. I and was I was overwhelmed by the response. Honestly, I was expecting like, because it's taboo, right? To talk about abortion in church, much less a personal story of abortion in church. And I just remember I told my mentor, okay, I'm going to do it. She was like, I'll be there for you. I'm, I'm coming to your Bible study class to watch you. And if that would help. And I said, yes, do it. <laughs> and she was there and I shared it. I shared all of it. And, um, I remember there was, there was a man there who was crying in the back, had his head down in between his hands. And I just felt like God was like, that was why. Wow. That was the reason why I wanted you to share. Even if it's for the one. If it is for the one. And you know, I, I, I didn't talk with that guy afterwards. And, um, 
and and I don't know his full story, but it wouldn't surprise me. And I felt like God was was revealing that that was something that he had had in the past. And um, I had so many people afterwards just say like, "Thank you for being." vulnerable about it and raw about it and honest about it because that is what helps bring others to Christ is like seeing the actual you know this is where I was but this is God has done so much for me in spite of my own sin and my own self yeah I was thinking how vulnerability when we are vulnerable and transparent it really does open the doors for other people to heal absolutely and they can share and and really it brings healing for them yeah so we are meeting for this podcast right after you were holding a Bible study for yes. women that have gotten abortions. Yes. So that opened the door for God to do more. It was like really after sharing that, it was just a whirlwind. So that night, my friend who works at the Katie Pregnancy Help Center, she volunteers. She told me, she said, hey, Trina, have you heard of this program called Rachel's Vineyard? And I said, no. And she said, well, I know you've received a lot of healing from your abortion already, it sounds like. She said, but basically it's a weekend retreat. You go, it's like four, three or four nights. Um, you go and you read the Bible and you meet with other women who've had an abortion um, and you go through it and you go through all the grieving process and all of these steps in order to be set free from this from the sin, this chain, this bondage that's holding you down. And um, I remember thinking, uh, yeah, I, I want to do that. Like, I need to do that. It sounds awesome. Because I had received some healing, and I was starting to, like, be more vocal about it. But I was still nervous, and I was still holding on to some of it. And so I went home that night. I Googled it. There was a Rachel's Vineyard um, retreat that was happening less than two weeks wow. at that point. I contacted the lady. She contacted me right back. We talked on the phone, and she said, Trina, I'm, I'm sorry. She's like, but we're full um, so, you know, let me keep you in mind for the next one, which is in another three months. And I was like, oh man. And I hung up the phone and I was mad. I was like, God, you, you had me do this. Like things are moving and all of a sudden, you know, what is happening? And, um, and then she called me back like three days later, Trina, we have a spot for you. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm so ridiculous, but thank you, Jesus, you know? And, um, I went and we, it's a, um, it's limited to 10 people, um, men and women. And my retreat, there were only women participants. Um, and there were 10 of us and we, you know, we, it was in a, a big house basically in the hill country where we went we had sessions all day and we just worked through a lot of this stuff. You know, women who've had abortions feel like they don't have the right to grieve their baby. Um, it's it's very much a, okay, you did this, it's gone, let's move on. And they don't feel like they have the right to be sad when they do. It, it reminds me what you said earlier about the enemy, blame and shame. Yeah. And probably just saying it's your fault, so why would you Absolutely. grieve this? And that's not true. Absolutely. And that was a big a big stronghold on me was that I didn't feel like I had the right to process through this stuff because I made the decision. It wasn't like I was, you know, drugged and, and strapped to the table to get this done. I chose to have an abortion. Um, but there was so much healing that went through there. I mean, we had a memorial service for the children that we aborted. Wow. Um, that's amazing. We named them. That's amazing. It was, it was a very special time. I'm so beyond thankful for that experience and just the timing of it all, right? Like, God is so cool. And it's never too late. I remember talking never. to a friend who who miscarried, didn't yes. have an abortion, but miscarried and didn't really get healing until she named the baby. Yeah. And then she told me a story about a 90 year old woman that she mm. knew 
that still did not get healing until she named the baby at 90, yeah. she named her baby. So it's yeah. never too late to really face that. Absolutely. And but, you know, the women, it. the women that were there, um, I think the most recent abortion was like within, um, a year that it happened. And then all the way up to like 35 years ago. Wow. So these women are carrying this around yeah. forever. I mean, at that point I had had my abortion 12 years ago. And so I too had been carrying it around for 12 years, just kind of trying to out of sight, out of mind, not trying to process it or think mm-hmm. about it. But um, it's a sin that, and it's a, a secret that, like we've said, you know, the devil just wants you to keep it a secret so that it's more powerful for him. But once it comes to light and once you're able to share it and um, and give that to God, it's just, it releases that power. So I know that you've had miscarriages as well. Absolutely. I've had two miscarriages. That's something that you talked to me about. Yeah. I think maybe even the day we met. The day we met. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're right. So were your miscarriages before your oldest son, Luca? No. So, um, like I, like I told you, like, I remember when they asked me in the ultrasound, if I wanted to know if it was twins and all of that. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to have kids. My sister's not going to have kids. My sister's not going to have twins, all this stuff. So, um, we got pregnant, um, kind of by accident, really. I mean, we were going to start trying soon, but it was an accident, really (laughs) surprise, a blessing totally. But, um, we had Luca and I remember thinking like, um, man, like, God, I just can't believe that you're doing this. Now we got pregnant with Luca before I went to Rachel's vineyard and, right. and did all that just right. to backtrack a little bit. And so I was still carrying around that secret and that weight of the abortion. And I remember thinking like, I'm just waiting for the ball to drop. Like something's going to be wrong with Luca. Like he's going to be born sick or he's going to be, have some major deformity or, or he's not going to be born. Maybe I'm going to miscarry. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I had, I was very sick in my pregnancy. Um, very, very sick till 22 weeks throwing up. But, um, no, like he was born healthy and beautiful and, and normal and everything was fine. Um, but, Shortly after Luca was born, like maybe seven or eight months, um, I got pregnant again, intentionally that time. <laughs> um, and um, Rolf and I were so excited. That's amazing, by the way, intentionally when your baby's only eight months yeah, old. Yeah, it was crazy, yes. <laughs> um, you know, you're in that baby bliss when yes. they're so little and cute yeah. and they're not talking back or sassy or throwing things at you. <laughs> um, and so Rolf was like, I actually surprised him in a photo shoot by telling him we were pregnant and um, it was so fun. But when we went for my ultrasound, they couldn't find the heartbeat and I was devastated. And, and like I said, at that point, still carrying around this abortion. And And that's why I brought this up is because I feel like we could do a whole nother podcast on miscarriage. Yeah. But I'm curious if when you miscarried, if that tied into your abortion at all. So I thought that was God's punishment for me. Um, and I thought, okay, now, now the shoe is dropped. Now I'm receiving my punishment for this sin that I committed. Right. And did Ralph know you felt that way? Yeah. Did he agree with you? He did. I don't think so, but I honestly don't remember us discussing that. Yeah. I don't remember. I doubt he thought that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember just feeling obviously so sad and, um, passing the baby and in in the very same similar way that I passed the baby I aborted and it's very painful it's very painful I when I miscarried our first it was also the worst pain mm-hmm. I had ever been in and I birthed two yeah you know nine pounds right well they weren't both nine pounds but big children yeah. 
But it, miscarriage is different regardless. The at, emotional pain tacked onto weeks. it is just, you know, another level too. Yeah, that and, too. And so, you know, losing a child in the same sense of like, I'm at the house, I'm in the bathroom, there's my baby. Like, it's it brought back a lot of emotions too tied with my abortion that I'm like, God, this is this is my fault. You know, this is my fault. And um, we So here you are with Luca. Yeah. He's what, by this point, 10 months? Yeah. And yeah. you're having a miscarriage. Yep. So he brought, I'm sure, a little joy to you. Yeah. But you're still definitely. grieving. Still grieving, yep. And, and then, then you had more than one miscarriage. Right. So like a couple months after that, we got pregnant again. I think it was two months. And I'm like, okay, we're going to try it again. It's an anomaly. Like, what's what are the odds that I would that I would miscarry two times in a row? Well, apparently they happen, as you know, because that was your story too. Yeah. And I, we... I went to the ultrasound. I actually, my dad was with me this time. Ralph was out of town. And I remember telling my dad, I need someone there with me because if this baby doesn't have a heartbeat, I'm not going to be okay. Wow. And um, he came and he was there and with me and the doctor did the ultrasound and she just looked at me and she said, Trina, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but the baby is, is gone. And I was, I had no words. I think I was just in shock, total shock. Like, I'm a math person, and so in my head, I'm literally thinking, what are the odds that I would literally have a miscarriage back-to-back? Like, I know it's common, but how how common is it to have that? Right. So I started thinking, you know, obviously I was still tied to the abortion, but I'm also thinking, is there something wrong with me? Like, did the abortion actually cause something wrong with my body? You know, even though I'd already had a healthy child, that's just the way that your mind works and the devil works as you start to think these lies. Um, and, and did I, your doctor know about the abortion? She did. And, and did I remember she... asking her, I said, is this because I had, a, I had an abortion? And she told me no. And she asked me, she said, did you have, um, what type of abortion did you have? And I told her the medicated kind. And she said, then definitely not. She said, sometimes with a, um, with the procedure, having the, the, um, the abortion, you know, in, in the clinic, you actually, it can damage and can do some um, terrible things to your body. She said, but um, with the medicated abortion, no, the odds of anything having happened are, are so not likely. And then you didn't, you had three, didn't you? No, no. Thankfully it was just the two, but two. I remember Rolf and I, we both but came still home. so hard. Yeah. yeah. We both came home from that. And um, after that, we, he was like, we, we've got to wait. He's like, I, you cannot handle this again. I cannot handle this again. We, our marriage cannot handle this again. We've got to lay off. And a lot of people, I think, think that it's just the woman that's dealing with all yeah. of this. But from my personal experience and sounding like what you went yeah. through as well is that our husbands grieve. Oh yeah. Too. Because immediately, as soon as you think, as soon as you know, you have life within you, you start thinking, okay, they're going to be, you know, one year apart and they're going to, um, you know, grow up close in age. And when Lucas, yeah, you dream fit, about that you just immediately, you start You're to. excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So how long was it after your second miscarriage before you got pregnant with awesome Nikki. Yes, we waited like 6 or 8 months okay. before we before we were trying again and um got pregnant was so nervous, which I know you probably oh, can yeah. totally relate to just thinking something You have fear happen. from the past. Totally. Totally. And and um 
we nothing happened, you know. She found out it was a girl, and um, I was nervous about it being a girl too because Luke is a boy. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, I can do boys. I, I think I could be a decent boy mom. And then I'm like, a girl? Oh no! What am, like, what am I gonna do with the girl? It's so funny because before I got pregnant with a boy, I wanted girls, and oh, I was like, what you? am I gonna do with the yeah. boy? And then then after Judah, I was like, yeah. what am I gonna do with the girl? Right. But God gives you what you need. He does. He does. And and I was scared too because I remember thinking, I don't. Want want my daughter to ever experience an abortion. I don't even want it to be on the radar. Like I don't even want it to be a possibility. Wow. And I was nervous about yeah. that. And and um it's your mama protectiveness. It is. It is. And just the pain of the past and um you know that's still a prayer that I constantly pray over both of them now that neither one of them would be ever in a position to be in to get themselves in that sort of a situation. What would you tell anyone Speaking of a posi- being in that position, yeah. that is in that position right now, man. If I anyone would, ever comes across this yeah. podcast, that's in that position Absolutely. or who has been there Absolutely. where you were. So I, I was gonna. I told you that I want anyone who's got questions or anything to please contact me. Um, yeah, we'll put her email in the show notes. I'm gonna share it just now, anyways, just in case. Um, but it's Trina Steg, so T R I N A Steg S T E G at gmail.com. And I have a, I mean, that email address is specific for this ministry for me is for women and men who are struggling with this. And, um, please contact me. And there are so many other options, um, you know, adoption and, and just, you know, there's just, there's such a lie out there that I think so many people believe about this, you know, it being a clump of cells or it being, um, you know, not an actual baby, but that is the podcast cut us off, <laughs> but Trina, you were just letting me know, what would you say to anyone that is in that position or maybe went through what you went through yeah. in the yeah. past? So number one, if you've had an abortion, um, you are not alone. Jesus loves you. And um, someone once told me this and it was so impactful that Jesus did not shed any extra blood on the cross for my abortion. You know what I mean? Like he had already died for all the sins of the world. My sin was not any extra for him that he had to sit there on the cross longer or shed an extra ounce of blood for. His death covered it. That's powerful. There is so much forgiveness there. Um, and, you know, for anyone that's struggling with that and that, and that has made that choice, um, there are so many resources through the church. Um, usually, I don't know, I'm sure you've got a, you'll have a, a big um, audience, you know, of all over, but I know especially at our church, Second Baptist here in Katy, um, I'm leading a Bible study called Surrendering the Secret, and it is for women who have had, who have um, had a loss of an abortion, and um, we're in the middle of a group right now. We just finished week four, um, but we're starting again in the spring in the evening. It'll, and that's at West Campus. Here at West Campus, and it'll be either a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. We're not sure yet, um, but it's free. We have a sweet friend who purchased the books for us as a gift. 
Um, and it's to meet and to, to heal with other women who have had an abortion and who are there with, with these other women. And I'm sure it's confidential. Absolutely. A hundred percent confidential. Um, you actually, all you have to do is email me. You don't even have to sign up or write your name anywhere, um, at all. You just contact me. Um, and then I'll, we'll get, we'll get together and we'll figure it out and I'll, I'll get you set up. But yeah, for there's just so much hurt there. What I love is that God was always with you and he was not the voice of shame. No. Um, and he blessed your sister with children. Oh, I'm so glad you said that Cassie. I almost forgot to share that y'all. This is the coolest part. And it almost makes me want to cry every time I share it. My sister has twins. Does she? I did not know that. Wow. She has a, she has a, I have goose. I have I do too. Every time I share it. And that is just, that's God, right? Like that is just the, God that we serve. He is a loving God and he is a forgiving God. And there is just so much grace and redemption there. And how I thought that he was going to work and punish and all of this. And I knew better. I grew up in the church, but I still had that idea. He didn't work like that. And he doesn't work like that. He's just there. I picture him with big wide open arms just to hug us. Even at our lowest point, regardless of what we do, he's always with us and for us and loves us and he's never shaming us absolutely or anything like that never and there's just there's so much healing to be found and if you're carrying around that secret please please reach out to me trina steg at gmail.com um, you can even check the Second Baptist website, second.org slash events. The Bible study is listed there. But um, please, you know, there's just so, so much to be done, so much healing to be found. I know your story is going to encourage so many because I know it already has. But Thank anyone you. that listens to this is going to be encouraged, regardless if they find themselves in the same shoes that you were, as going through an abortion, going through a miscarriage, anything, sexual abuse. If it's something different, it's going to encourage people. Just the fact that God is with you, loves you, never leaves you. And he actually turns what we do into something greater. The moment you were obedient when you felt like he was telling you to share. Absolutely. Look what he's done since. so cool. Brought so many to you where they have found healing through your story. It's really inspiring, really incredible. Is there anything else that you can think of about anything in your life that you would like to share? that we didn't talk about? You know, I think, I think I just want to end on the note of just sharing that God really does care about you. And if you're listening to this and you have had an abortion and you're thinking, you know, he cares about everyone else, but I don't know about me. He cares and loves for you so much, so much. And he wants you to be set free. He wants you to be set free and doesn't want you to carry it around anymore. So true. So good. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. And for being vulnerable. Absolutely. I just love it. Um, okay. So what I'm asking anyone that's on the podcast is if you could sit down with someone from the past, present, anyone and hear their God stories, who would it be and why? Oh man. I, you told me you were going to ask this and I've been thinking about it and I'm like, I got to come up with a really good answer, but, um, you know, I've been thinking about it and, um, something we didn't share on the podcast, but maybe we'll share another time is about how we both have lost a parent, um, right before giving birth. It's incredible. I lost my dad a week 
well, nine days before I gave mm. birth to Sayla. And Trina texted me after that, and I did not know this until then, but you lost your mom. I lost my mom six days before Luca was born. Wow. And so, I always, like I say, she, she never got to see me be a mom, you yeah. know? But um, I do have solace in the fact that she is with my heavenly babies. Yes. You know, she's with that baby I aborted, but she's also with my two miscarried babies, too. And so I love to think about that. But so true. Um, I would love to ask my mom more of her God stories. That's I think, amazing. I think that there was, you know, because I was I was 27 when she passed away and um, hadn't become a mom yet. And, and we didn't we couldn't we didn't connect in that way yet, obviously, because I wasn't a mom. And I just think it would be so neat to hear some of her stories through motherhood and just um, with her own friends and ministry that she was a part of to be able to hear those stories that she had, too. I love that so much. Thanks. I really do. Thank That's you. a great answer. <laughs> oh, thanks. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on, Gina. Yeah, thanks for having me anytime, anytime.